he gets us shows that it doesn't get or even give the gospel with their continued campaign as they spend millions of dollars to showcase typical talking points of conservatives and liberal contention mixed with a bit of foot washing. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at the He Gets Us campaign. But before we get into that, we would love for you to click a like on this video, as well as subscribe to the Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel. And if you feel so led, leave a five-star review on any podcast format that you are listening to this on. We just simply always say that just to help the algorithm and help us continue to bring out videos for you guys to be blessed by. But let's get right into it. The He Gets Us campaign has been something that has been talked about for well over a year. This isn't their first Super Bowl ad, and I'm probably not going to be their last. And it is something that has brought a lot of contention. And a lot of people have brought out, this is my problem with the He Gets Us. And then you have other people that are agreeing with the whole thing. But the most recent video that was shared on the Super Bowl actually has a lot of foot washing going on with different demographics, typically two different demographics that are in contention a lot. Now, the the two, I would say the two most talked about which looks like an AI sort of imagination thing going on there with all of these, and it makes it kind of weird. But but nonetheless, the two most talked about have to be uh, the abortion clinic, outside of the abortion clinic, washing the feet of the woman there going to get an abortion with the people over to the side that are protesting. And then uh, the last one, which is supposed to be a flamboyantly homosexual man roller skating uh, right next to a priest who is washing his feet. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this because I seen that um, March for Life actually tweeted somewhat in support. And here's what they had to say regarding the picture of the abortion clinic. Quote, there's forgiveness and healing after abortion. And he gets a Super Bowl ad showed that the ad went through multiple images of followers of Jesus washing the feet of our neighbors, the criminal elderly classmate parent. And yes, the abortion worker, post-abortive and or abortion-minded woman. It's unclear as to why the woman is sitting outside an abortion facility, but it serves as a reminder to us all that there's forgiveness, healing, and support after an abortion for those considering an abortion and for those who work at an abortion facility. Abortion hurts everyone. It's okay to ask for help. There's hope, healing, and support for those who need it. And that's why the pro-life movement exists, to walk through life and all people and through all its vulnerabilities. Now, I would say this. This is just um, a little bit of caveat of my own opinion when it comes to the March for Life and some of the pro-life movements. Many of them do not get the gospel, and I think many of them do not get the gospel because they're funded by people who do not know the gospel. They're funded by Catholics and others, and people are totally fine putting arm in arm to not preach the gospel and to hopefully fight against babies being murdered, which obviously I think it is a valiant thing to fight against the murder of the unborn in the womb. But the gospel has taken such a secondary thing when it comes to the March for Life and so many of these things, and being confrontational with the gospel, 
uh, in the sense that confronting the wickedness of it and not just simply talking about how vulnerable somebody is when many people are doing this knowing full well what they the act they are committing. And I'm just going to be honest. I find myself completely believing logically uh, is very coherent and my heart completely agrees with the abolition movement when it comes to abortion. I don't believe that there is any place where we should start putting in legislation that allows for the ba babies to be murdered at any stage of life. And so I'm going to be on that side in the same way that I would have been on the abolitionist movement when it comes to slavery, like the men of Wilberforce and Wesley and the ones who fought up against slavery, uh, people not thinking that Black people were human, so they could get away with using them as any sort of material usage that they could to provide. In the same way, by the way, you have Planned Parenthood, which is literally was founded upon Margaret Sanger, the racist who was trying to kill black babies. That was that was the point, calling them weeds and so forth. And this is this is you can't get around it. That's the history of these clinics. And so. When I see this, I get disappointed with the March for Life. I get disappointed that they don't take strong stands. Is it true that there are vulnerable people that need help and we need to come alongside them? And for those who have committed the heinous act, do we know that there is forgiveness in Christ? Absolutely, there is forgiveness in Christ. You cannot get around that. Each and every one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each has gone to his own way. And the Lord they laid the iniquity of us all upon him. That's a fact that you cannot get around. But one thing I find really interesting is that even those from the March for Life on their Twitter, when they tweeted this out, they edited out the side where people were protesting people going in there to kill babies, which I thought was really interesting that they would do that. And we need to be able to not just talk about people's vulnerabilities, but share with people the truth of the gospel because People who are saved where the Holy Spirit resides in them and convicts them of sin, righteousness, and judgment as he does the whole world, but truly inside of us, making us new, more like Christ, where it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. Those people that come to Christ, if they are truly in Christ and following Christ, they don't go and kill their babies. So the goal is always People could be pro-life all the way to hell. I want them to be pro-life, to be pro-eternal life, ultimately. And if you love Jesus, you follow him. And as he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We need to call him Lord, Lord, and do the things which he says and build our life on the foundation of Jesus. And then you have uh, this other clip, I say, that probably most talked about is the priest there washing the feet of the homosexual. And this has garnered a lot of attention. The entire campaign has garnered a lot of people talking about it. Hey, well, look at this. You have Jesus wash the feet of disciples, not the world. And then you have others saying, well, he also washed Judas's feet. And yes, he did wash Judas's feet. He also offered up the sup to Judas, if you remember, he offered up communion, but we as the body of Christ, when people come into our congregation, we should warn them that if they are not in Christ, they should not be partaking of it. And so we do see the grace of Christ in the same way, but we also recognize that this act of the washing of the feet of his disciples and so forth, that this act of, 
of doing so doesn't mean that this now needs to be practiced in a way that this is how we share the gospel. And this is why I say that he gets us, doesn't get the gospel or give the gospel. And this is the whole campaign. This is like, this isn't something small. I listened to Ed Stetzer, uh, who's now the president of Viola. And sadly enough, I believe he is fairly liberal on a lot of different things. And when I say liberal, I'm not talking about conservatives and and, uh, who's voting uh, Trump and, and who's voting Biden and all this stuff. I'm talking about liberal and his views on life and honestly uh, some scripture as well. But when I look at this, him talking about it, the campaign, he talks extensively about the fact that they have marketers for this and he's just coming alongside and helping out as an advisor at some advisory role. And what's interesting, he talks over and over again about the fact that these are, this is just a company and there's believers and non-believers there But ultimately, that's what we're finding out is that the people behind this campaign, while there are advisory roles and obviously the owner of Hobby Lobby has given a bunch of money as well to help push this so that people can start talking about the gospel. uh, We're finding out that it is a marketing campaign and many of which are is done by people that are not believers. For example, the media strategy supervisor at Lerma working on the He Gets Us account with fierce passions for all things DEI is Maddie McClanahan. Maddie McClanahan is somebody that in her own LinkedIn bio, makes sure that you know she is a she, her. And not only her, but according to Ali Beth Stuckey, she said a slewly follower just sent me this. Ken Caldwell is the head of Come Near, the organization that runs He Gets Us. Peep the pronouns. And once again, we have he, him, and preferred pronouns. This is one of the preferred pronoun monikers that are used by so many people that honestly don't know Jesus. I'm sorry. Let's just, let's just be honest. I, I, I see this all the time. This is something that is a, a sad display and it's really easy to see the leanings of someone and what they, how they view scripture, the Bible and what, what Jesus truly taught. They lean more towards the left. And I would say that if we did a an analysis of people with she, her, or he, him, or whatever, uh, preferred pronouns, as they call them. Um, I think if you did an analysis on that, I think most of them would be probably pro-baby murder. And I want to bring a couple of things up because I don't want to only lambast, and I do want to lambast because I don't believe the people that he gets us and, and that are behind it actually are trying, are, are actually know the gospel or are trying to get the gospel out. It just seems like a seeker sensitive kind of push for this stuff. And so I'm like, man, they they really seem like they're missing it. And in fact, they have an entire video where it talks about the rebel. And it, I think it's one of the most popular videos on their YouTube channel right now. And it's an ad that they put out pr- previously. And in this ad, and you'll check it out in this ad, and these are all really short ads. So you have to kind of do what you will with them. In this ad, it kind of paints Jesus in similarity to gangsters and the disciples as kind of like a posse and 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 them falling. You got to check this out because it's really interesting. And I, I want to bring something out. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They quit their jobs, left their families, and swore allegiance to him. They roamed the hood challenged authority and made a lot of people uneasy. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. Law enforcement labeled them outlaws. 
We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets. Protect our communities from these troublemakers. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. What you just saw is what I would classify as a logical fallacy. It is an oversimplification of commonality. And this happens all the time. In fact, the very ignorant uh, person by the name of Bill Maher does this with Jesus when he looks at Jesus and all the things that he fulfilled and tries to mix mash them with some of the false gods of Mithra and so forth. And you find out how ridiculous it is. And many of which are just oversimplifications of commonality in the same way as he's talking about, oh, look, these group of people and they have different beliefs and they were doing these and and so forth. It's an oversimplification to the point where it's dishonest. Now, for Bill Maher, I think it's willful ignorance on the side of dishonesty. For those who are involved with He Gets Us, I think that they are trying to push this oversimplification of commonality. So to the point where, oh, well, look, I will we'll find these parallels and it'll be really interesting. You see these gangsters and Jesus is really just like these gangsters and he really gets us. Funny enough, when people want to give a diatribe against what Christians truly believe the Bible teaches about Jesus, a lot of times it will sound very similar to what you saw in the he gets us ad. In fact, if you listen to Jelly Roll talk about it, you might think he's the one who actually wrote the commercial. Jesus and the church is going to die again. Jesus is going to die all over again if they don't find a way to portray him the way he was historically known to be. If you look at the history facts of Jesus, which I think favor Christianity in this weird way, when you look at those, that dude is not the dude y'all have turned him into. Mm. Like, Y'all have Americanized Jesus and used him as a way of not only propaganda, but you've weaponized God. That was the opposite of who Jesus was. The same people that you were you were like criticizing and going against are the only people that Jesus had a relationship with in the Bible. He did nothing but protect town whores, prostitutes, people in jail. Like you, the famous story of the throwing stones, let he who without sin cast his first stone. He was protecting a prostitute. So that's my problem with the churches. Like, even if we just go by the four books that y'all call the only four accounts of him, y'all are, this dude ran around with 12 thugs. If he was here today, he'd be on a fucking Harley. And the biggest thing I want to bring out when it comes to the idea of he gets us is that even that statement itself is a double-edged sword. It is a very dangerous thing to say he gets us as if, Oh, well, that makes it easier. Yes, we are but of dust, and God recognizes that we are but of dust. He 100% recognizes that. But the idea of he gets us, one of the things that you have to point out is the fact that he also gets our sin. He knows every deep, dark sin. He knows everything you've seen on your phone. He knows every thought you've had about somebody that cut you off. And what's interesting is somebody actually made a video, and I know you're not going to agree, and I'm not going to agree with every person they put in this clip, but somebody actually made about a 50 second video that says you could have done this because it shows the transformed life. Because what's great about Jesus is he doesn't leave you in your sin. He doesn't he doesn't offer you the gospel that that brings about the freedom that is in Christ. He doesn't offer you up 
a gospel that leaves you in the same state that you came to the cross at, but he offers up a gospel that makes you more than conquerors through him who loves us. That the gospel that is offered up to us is not just he gets that we're just terrible, wicked people and does nothing about it, but when we come to him, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit that would go out convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, promised not that he would just be with us, but that he would be in us. And then at Pentecost, that actually takes place where now every person that comes to Christ now has the Holy Spirit residing inside of them. And then now, guess what? We can battle and fight against the sin. And so the he gets us is the idea of the double-edged sword, because it is beautiful, just as it says in Psalm 139, that he knows when I rise up. He knows when I get down and and fall asleep. God knows every hair on my head. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing that he does know and does care about me individually. But also the dangerous thing is he knows every single non-believer and he knows every single action and every single thing that's taken place. But in Romans chapter five, when it talks about the fact that we now have access into the grace by which we are saved, and we get that access through our faith in verse 2, in verses 1 and 2. But then when we get into it, it talks about how one person may die for an unrighteous person. Maybe. They might think about doing that. But it's said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The great thing about that is not only do we have Romans 5 where Christ dies for us, not only have Romans 4 where we are imputed the righteousness of Christ, but we also have Romans 6 where it says, should we go forth sinning all the more so that grace may abound? And he says, may it never be. And then in Romans 7, we see quite clearly that Paul is going to differentiate the old and new covenants. The old covenant, he said that it needed to die before now we could be married under the new covenant. And this new covenant is far different than the old because when Paul was in his his old state uh, under the law, he could not help but do the things he did not want to do. And the things that he wanted to do, he could not even do. And he lived in this life. And when you read Romans 7, it's me, 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 I, I, I. But then he said, who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we get to Romans 8. You talk about he gets us. How about the fact that God gets that we have this flesh that needs to be put to death. And it says in Romans chapter 8, if you live to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you shall surely live. And then it says in Romans chapter 8 that we are now more than conquerors through him who loves us. The promise of him getting us is he gets that we are weak and provides not only a way of escape, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, but he also provides the means by which we escape. How about the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin? How about the fact that we now no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ? And now, instead of it just being like, oh, just come here and whatever. No, no, no. We now get to come to the foot of the cross, recognizing that apart from Jesus, according to John chapter 15, we can do nothing. There is nothing that we can do apart from Jesus that we in and of ourselves, not just he gets us. How about the fact that we now get to come to Christ and he starts making us new, that we have now been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
I understand that people might look at this and say, oh, they spent all this money and think it's a really good argument to say, hey, why are you spending millions of dollars for this campaign? Is it a wrong campaign? I think so. I don't think they're doing a great job at all. And I think this latest one is maybe the worst, this idea that we'll just wash some feet. And that's kind of like the gospel. Jesus never hated. He wa- he he just washed feet. I, I, I just think this stuff, the social gospel is ridiculous. And I think a lot of their over hyper focus on the humanity of Christ without the deity of Christ is a big danger. Now, don't get me wrong. That can pendulum swing to one side or the other. There's an entire docetic view where we don't talk about Christ's humanity as, at, at all. And in fact, that's called Antichrist in 1 John chapter 2. That's eventually, the docetist is eventually what became what we know as the the Gnostics, because they denied Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, and they are ultimately Antichrist. So we can pendulum swing that on both sides. But it takes the blood of God himself, and I'm quoting Acts 20.28, where it says that he purchased the church with his own blood. It takes the blood of God himself to pay for our sins, and not a social gospel where he just gets us. And if you're like, well, they spent all this money. If it was directed at the gospel and truly brought people to the death, burial, and resurrection, then I don't care how much money they spent. There are plenty of people that complain about no matter where you put money, oh, you just build houses in Mexico, why didn't you do it here? Oh, you just did this thing to share the gospel in the streets here near you. Why didn't you help the people that are poor in another place? No matter what you do, the either-or fallacies come jumping and running and are thrown at. And I... And I'm one I'm one person who's heard them over and over again, no matter what we've done, building houses here for the poor or sharing the gospel all over the streets, no matter what that that you have done in ministry. I'm sure somebody will say, well, you could have done it this way. So I'm not one to just simply lambast for that. I am one to come against something that I don't believe is actually preaching the gospel and now has brought a place of contention to say, oh, I'm going to show the differential here where there are these dogmas and these these horrible things. And really, if you're coming against this and mad, it's because you're, you're kind of a Pharisee and that that gets thrown around so easy. And let's stand up against both of those. Let's present a gospel that that Paul did preach one of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrections for our sins, that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures, and that on the third day He rose again according to the Scriptures. If we hold fast to that until the end, we shall be saved. Does Jesus get us? Absolutely. And He gets that we are sinners in need of grace. Does the Father get us? Yes, He gets that we are sinners in need of grace. And guess what He does? He sent His only Son to die for our sins. Let us preach the gospel. And guess what? I don't like this campaign at all. I don't like some of the people that are putting it on. I think they're done by non-believers. I don't think Paul, Peter, James, John, Andrew, or Jesus would ask non-believers how they want to share the gospel. But guess what? I will use this to talk about the true living gospel of Jesus Christ with my non-believing neighbor. But I'm going to do it confronting sin in the same way my Lord and his apostles did. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.